You're listening to the QPEM Podcast. To listen to our previous Sunday worship services, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's qpem.org. This week's message was given by Pastor Peter Kim. Thanks, Pastor Peter Wang, for presiding this morning. It's good to have you back. You know, just a disclaimer, if you guys don't know Pastor Peter, he's really not that serious, okay? He's really not that serious as he uh, sometimes looks. He's really a funny guy, and so get to know him a little bit better, and uh, just really glad to have the staff back um, during the season. You know, this scripture reading for today, God has a word for us on this Mother's Day from Psalm chapter 131. Psalm chapter 131. And after I read God's word, if you can respond in one voice, thanks be to God for his word. Psalm chapter 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and things too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. This is God's word. And the people of God respond, thanks be to God. For his word. Amen. We want to do wish everyone a happy Mother's Day today. If you're joining with us online, worshiping, maybe if you're with your mom right now, would you turn to her and wish her a happy Mother's Day? Let's do that right now. Turn to your mom right now if you're there and say happy Mother's Day. You know, I wish you could do that in person. And if you're not able to, to just give her a call and maybe even a FaceTime session today. Today we celebrate moms, don't we? We Thank moms uh, for who they are, for loving us, for caring for us, for guiding us. They're especially doing so much more than they already do for us during this time, the stay-at-home time. And we want to thank them, especially today, uh, for their care. Um, a lot of things that we take for granted, right? Especially us dads, fathers, uh, for getting up even earlier in the morning, taking care of uh, all the things, breakfast and all the uh, things for our kids. We, they never give up on us, right? Even if you know, we're stressing them out all the time. Thank you, moms, for giving us your heart, your sacrifice. Even when you're tired and sick, you put others before yourselves. And thank you, ultimately, for loving us unconditionally when we don't really deserve that love in, in, in return. And uh, it's no wonder, right? And whenever uh, we th- think about who we love the most in this world, um, you know, I ask my kids uh, just jokingly, right, you know, who's your favorite person, right, in, in our family? And, and our kids love to rank things, right? And they like to rank even our, our the family members in order of how much they love us, right, and from worst to the best, right? And, and so they had this ranking. And all the kids, Caleb, Luke, and Sailor, they had this ranking. Even Sailor at two and a half years old, she knows who she loves the most, right? It always starts with the last person, and it's usually almost always grandma, right? She's the last. I'm sorry. It's true. Grandma, if you're watching this, I know she just joined QPEM Worship. I'm sorry. That, that's just how they believe and how they think. So, so that's grandma. And then next, it's usually a tie between grandpa and me. Okay? I was like, man, what do you mean? I'm, I'm not second. But no, it's, it's a tie between grandpa and, and me. And then always, always, number one, their favorite person, the person they love the most, it's mommy, right? Mommy is always number one. It's not surprising, right? It's not surprising. Uh, It's not anything, you know, dads can do about it. It it is what it is because of who they are and how much they love us. 
And, and we thank God today, all right, for the wonderful gift of moms, of, uh, of motherhood. And we thank you, uh, uh, you know, moms especially. We pray that you would uh, be able to uh, really be celebrated today and, and, and cherished and, and appreciated. That I pray that you families today would be able to spend quality time uh, to share your love uh, with them today. Uh, you know, we pray that, you know, this past week that you have had a, a blessed and a fruitful week, a, a week where you redeemed the time, right, for God's glory, for his kingdom. You know, we prayed last Sunday that God, he's challenging us to make the best use of our time. I had to stay home, you know, season, and, and while we maybe have more time than we normally might otherwise, to redeem that time, right, for him, to put things first, uh, priorities first, to be faithful to our king, uh, who may be away for this time being. We're in that inter, uh, interim period, right, where Jesus is going to come back. But surely he is going to return. And he's going to return to reward those who have been faithful with the gifts he's entrusted, right? And, and he's going to also come to judge the unfaithful, those who really do not know him, who do not have that relationship with him. So I pray, and I pray that we would know our king. We would know Jesus and that we would be faithful to him in what he's entrusted to us. Now, I've given you last week the reasons why we ought to redeem that time for our king. Why we ought to strive to, to make the best use uh, for the things of his kingdom work and not ours. And the challenge today I want us to focus on is, is how we can practically go about doing this. We know why we ought to be faithful. For He's our king, Jesus. He died on the cross for you and I. He gave his life to give us life. And so we ought to be faithful to him. But... How can we make this a reality? How can we redeem our time for God's glory and His kingdom work here? Today, I want us to look at a text. A text that I believe resonates uh, in this particular very unique season that we're in. And it's also one that connects with us on this Mother's Day as, as children and, and the connection, the bonds we have with our moms. Today, I want us to see this connection between a mother and the child in our passage. But we're going to see it in a different way. In a way that God wants us to see our relationship with Him. Today, God's Word is going to teach us how our relationship with Him must be for us to truly worship and to know Him as our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus, as our rightful King. And so let's see what God has to say to us in His Word on this Mother's Day. Turn with me again. you got your Bibles at home to Psalm chapter 131. Psalm 131. This is a song, it says a song of ascents, right? It's a psalmist, no other than David himself, King David. We know much about David through reading scripture and the man that he is, how much he has grown in his faith, especially we know about his past, the struggles he faced in sin, uh, the adultery, the murder, all, all, the, all the just the fallenness, how he truly became uh, a man after God's own heart, the Bible says about David, right? And it's in this psalm that we see just his growth and how he has matured in faith. All the lessons that David has learned throughout his life, the experiences that he's gone through, David gives us an insight into his heart. To listen firsthand from one who has gone through his own spiritual journey in this growth of a love relationship that he has with God. He's giving us a lesson to take heart. And we see... Uh, 
David shared really a glimpse of his soul with us today. What a, what a blessing it is to, to, to see that today. So in verse 1, if you go with me there, you know, David shares again of how he once was and, and how we all really are, uh, right? In, in a sense, before God, uh, before he comes into our life. Verse 1, David speaks, he says, of, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. It's, my eyes are, are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great. And things too marvelous for me. You know, David's saying, this is how I used to be. In my early years, you know, even in my early years of faith, <laughs> we all struggle with the same thing David struggled with. It's pride, right? He's talking about pride here. What is pride? It's essentially independence from God. It's, it's taking matters into our own hands. It's basically disobedience to God. It's thinking that I don't need you, God. I can do things on my own. And David shares that, you know, before his eyes were lifted up high, right? That's proud ambition he's talking about. His own ambition of what he wants to do with his life. He's concerned with things, he said, too great and too marvelous. Those are self-ambitious endeavors, right, that we take in life. Think of things that we've taken on our own um, without prayer, without the Lord's guidance. Things that just benefit ourselves and, and lift us up, lift up our glory and our pride, uh, you know. He says now... In his life, in reflection, those ambitions are no longer his pursuits. <laughs> he says, I don't spend time on these things anymore. I don't occupy myself with these self-glorifying ambitions, these self-centered tasks. I do not occupy myself with things too great. And, and he's reflecting here. And he's asking this question, you know, my heart. You know, where was my heart before? Where is it now today, right? Where are my eyes looking to? Today, where, what am I occupying my life with? And what am I spending, again, my time, my energy, my finances, my resources, my being on? Really, the bigger question is, what am I living my life for? Brothers and sisters, that says an important question as we can have. Right? What are you living for? Right? Because what you're living for reflects in what we do in spending our time and money and, and everything else we have, right? Think about it, right? What are you living for as we reflect in this season that we're in? You know, it brings to light even more so. It highlights uh, that is what's most important to us. You know, this next Sunday at our church, it's Family Worship Sunday. It's a special day where I believe at 2 o'clock there's going to be a special online family service in the afternoon. And, and to prepare for that, our education department, you know, our education pastor, Pastor Nate, he's sending out a, a, an assignment. He's uh, asking a question for all the kids to answer. And this question is simply, uh, complete the sentence. My family's dream is dot, dot, dot. My family's dream is this, right? I believe we're supposed to submit that by today, Sunday. So parents, uh, if you haven't gotten around to it yet, please do so for Pastor Nate's sake. He's still waiting for that. So think about that. But, you know, Kathy and I, this past week, were pondering and, and asking Caleb, Caleb, what's our family dream, right? Did you think about that? And Kathy and I, we were thinking about that together as well. We're asking, you know, what is our dream as a family, you know? And we thought, and we were praying through this, and, and we were saying, hey, you know, of course, we want to have a healthy and fruitful and joyful lives and, and relationships with one another, and, and we want to live out God's calling, of course, to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others. And, of course, we wanted that to be realized and, and fulfilled. But I thought about this even deeper. 
You know, what is this word dream, right? When, 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 when the education department is asking, you know, my family's dream, you know, it's something bigger, right? It, it's a vision. It's a goal. It's a, it's a preferred future. This picture that, that I can see, that I desire truly for my family to be at one day, right? For my children to be at this place. You know, I dream of that. It's a, it's a hope, more than a hope. It's a, it's a prayer. What do you dream about? You know, what, do you, what, do you, what do you dream your family to be? You know, I was really thinking more so of this. And, you know, my, my kids, what do I want them to grow up to be? You know, what are my ambitions for them? If you want to be honest, what are my selfish ambitions for them? As a lot of, you know, parents, they want our kids to, you know, be smart and, and, and go to the best colleges. You know, let's go send them to an Ivy League school. And, and maybe for me, I want them to play collegiate hockey, you know, NCAA Division One, and, and experience that, you know. And then maybe after college, maybe be successful in their career, whatever, be a successful doctor. Or in Caleb's case, my dream for him to be an astronaut. <laughs> Why? Well, that was my dream as a kid, you know. Growing up, I wanted to be an astronaut, go to space. And, you know, now, you know, I'm trying to live out maybe my dream through my own son, you know. So as parents, we're investing uh, our, our, our money and our time and, and our resources into our children to plan in a way that they would grow up to be this person that we dream them to be. And if you're not a parent, or you know, what are you investing your life in right, to become this person that you want to be yourself in this world? I was wondering, you know, who do I want them to be and what am I investing my life for them into? I was reminded... After some prayer and meditation, <laughs> what Pastor Francis Chan shared, he was sharing, uh, uh, what are we praying about for our children? You know? How are we praying for our kids, right? That they just be successful in life like the world does? For what purpose? You know, for what goal? For whose glory are we praying that for? You know, when he shared, <laughs> he's like, you know what I'm praying for my children? I think he's got seven kids. A lot of them he, he's adopted. He said, I want to pray above all. My prayer, my children, is that they would know Jesus Christ, God's Son, right? That they would love Jesus Christ more than anything, anyone in this entire world. That's my prayer for them. That my children would grow up to know Jesus personally, intimately. That they have a real life relationship with God's Son, Jesus. And their life would be for Him. Wow, I thought about that. That's a dream. That's a vision. That's something to pray for. And that's what I shared, Kathy. You know, I want that to be our dream for our kids as well, for our family. That we would know and love Jesus more than anything in this world. Right? Can, you know what I'm talking about? Right? More than anything else that we enjoy or find satisfaction in that we go to for, you know, temporal pleasures or gratification. I want Jesus to be that greatest desire. That we would all live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In doing so, when Jesus returns, and he surely will, that Jesus would look to us and say, well done, good servant. Well done. Now here's your reward, you know, and I give you more responsibilities in the new heaven and new earth. You know, what a beautiful dream that is. 
What a beautiful picture, right? Can you imagine that for our families, our kids? You know? So parents, if you haven't, you know, completed that assignment and you're still wondering, you know, how I can ask that question or fulfill that uh, answer, hey, you can copy that answer if you want, okay? No worries. I'll give you permission. You know, my family's dream is to love Jesus more than anything in this world, right? How can that happen? How can we have this dream fulfilled in our life? Can it be really fulfilled? I'm working on that with my family. I'm going to pray for that with uh, the way we raise up our kids. But in our psalm today, David gives us an insight into how he himself has experienced this dream realized in his life. He shares a, a lesson that he's learned. And this lesson is a lesson of dependency. He gives a, a metaphor for this dependency. If we look at verse 2, David says, But I've calmed and quieted my soul. How? He says, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me, he says. He's calmed and quieted his soul. That, all that noise, that, that, that ambition that we talked about, that selfish ambition, everything that he was doing for himself, for his glory, it's calmed. It's quieted. How? Like a weaned child, he says, with his mother. <laughs> It's happened through a, a weaning process as a child or a baby is with his or her mommy, a mom. He is now a weaned child. There's like a soul within him, he describes. What does that mean, right? What does that word to wean mean, right? Well, I, saw, I found some definitions of this word to wean First definition I found, it's to accustom a child or a young animal to uh, a food other than its mother's milk. You know? To wean uh, this child or an animal even away uh, to a food source other than the mother's milk. That's the one way, uh, definition of wean. The second definition is interesting. It says to wean is to cause to lose the need to suckle or, or to turn to the mother for food. Yeah, I, I like that second definition to cause to lose the need to suckle or to turn to the mother for food, right? You know, this process of, of, of weaning a baby away from the mother's milk, the breast milk, or, you know, it's, it's not easy. And if, you, if you've gone through it, moms, you know how hard that can be to wean your child from uh, the milk, from the bottle, right? And, you know, in this past, you know, two months now, is it almost that we've been home and, and again, I, I've been just sharing just how, you know, it's hard, but it's also been a blessing to be with the family and to especially see our kids, you know, all day now. And especially Sayla, she's two and a half years old, and she's growing up right before our eyes. We see this little child, uh, you know, she's a little, used to be a baby, now she's become a toddler, and she's growing up. And, and now we're seeing her talk more and making full sentences, and we're conversing, right? It's amazing. Now she, this past like two, three weeks, she's finally being potty trained. And she's saying she's got to go to the bathroom now to, to go pee-pee and poop. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. We're here to experience that and, and to see her grow up. But there's one thing she's still doing that babies still do. And every night she's still drinking from the bottle. We can't get her off of that. And so Catherine, we're like, we got we to gotta work at this. You know, maybe this season, get her weaned from the bottle. And our pediatrician, Dr. Cohen, he's telling us, you got to get her off the bottle. 
Okay, come on. She's two and a half years old now. It's time. You got to get her off. It's not good. She, the, the doctor's telling us, uh, you know, just even for her speech, but even uh, for her teeth, right, as the milk stays in her mouth. And it's, not, it's just not a good thing. It's not healthy. So, so we said, all right, this season, we got to get her off the bottle, right? So a few weeks ago, we tried, okay, we're going to have a plan. We're going to just, just really be with her all day. We're going to just tire her out. You get this little two-and-a-half-year-old, we're going to tire her out. I mean, she tires us out, right? But, but she's going to distract her, and we got this routine now. And then at night, you know, she feed her. She's full. Her belly's really full. We give her extra dessert and ice cream afterwards. And afterwards, we wash her up, bring her to her room. Now we dim the lights, put the sound machine on. Sayla, it's time for bed now. And, and Kathy, you know, puts her down and she lies down together. It's starting to be quiet. And just as she's about to fall asleep, Sayla just perks up again. She says, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you. And that's, that's basically milk in Korean, okay? She's like, milk, 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 give me my milk. Every night, it's the same thing. It's very loud. Sayla's got a very loud voice. And she's screaming out at the top of her lungs, milk, give me my milk, you know? She knows what she, she wants. She, she's screaming for what she wants. Very noisy, <laughs> to be honest, okay? Very noisy. In his book, Love Beyond Reason, John Ortberg, he actually writes about this. He says, an unweaned child is a noisy child. <laughs> How true is that, right? <laughs> the unweaned child has learned that eventually noise leads to the satisfaction of his or her desire, right? The louder you are, you're going to then get what you are screaming for, right? And even if it doesn't, the noise itself appears to bring some relief, I guess. At the very least, it makes others as miserable as the unweaned one, right? I mean, for us, you know, parents, it's just very noisy and, and miserable to even hear, right? You see, an unweaned child is still stuck on the mom. It's still stuck on, on, on the mother, the milk, the mother's, uh, you know, nourishment, the feeding. You know, in the context of, of, of you know, the Bible, even back in the day, uh, I, you know, I read that, you know, back in that time, babies were weaned off their mother's uh, breast milk at the age of three. Can you imagine that? I mean, these days, you know, it's a lot earlier than that, but in that context, in the culture back then, it was uh, at three years old, the, the toddler was still, you know, on the mother's, uh, you know, breast milk and such. Wow, I mean, that's insane. But they're stuck, and until then, the, the mom is tied, and the little kid is tied to their mom, and the baby, and the toddler in this case, will continue to cry and just fret, even panic, to get what he or she wants. Without the mother, the baby is desperate. The mother's indispensable. The baby doesn't know any better, right? That's an unweaned child, an unweaned child, entirely just dependent but here's the thing, after the baby is weaned, right? whether after one year or two years, you know, definitely no longer than three years. I mean, I pray, you know, this next week we can wean Selah off that bottle. Well, after that happens, a child no longer frets. That child knows not, not going to cry out in desperation for the mom, for give me my milk, I need it. It takes time, but it's a learning process, but, but it's going to happen. And we have to work at it as parents, but it's going to happen. And when this happens, when the child is weaned, it's pretty remarkable. It's remarkable. This weaned child in that new stage of his or her life has now learned that, hey, the presence of the mom is more than just this immediate gratification of desire, right? It's more than just give me what I want if I cry about it. It's more. It's this 
it sense that there's a new kind of relationship, a new form of communication that the child now has with the mom. This child has entered into a, a new chapter in this journey with their uh, parent-child relationship. The mom is more than just simply one who exists to satisfy need, to take away hunger. The mother is actually becoming a person, not just a, a, a need meter that just someone goes to just to get what they want. No, it's a person. A relationship, a deeper relationship is taking place. And now this child is capable of stillness. This noise and this, this, this distraction. The child, it's him or herself, is capable of stillness. That happens after the child is weaned. David says in verse 2, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child is with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. David's talking about his relationship with his heavenly father here. A relationship with God. And it's been a long journey. Ups and downs. Before he was at a place where, you know, God to him, maybe God was just a God, give me what I want, God. You know, maybe our prayers reflect our maturity of how far along we are in this process, that our prayers are just about, hey, God, I need this. Give me this. If you really love me, you'll give me this. It's more than now just a, a, a need meter, a genie in a bottle that we go to God for. No. Now David's in a place where he's capable of stillness. He says, I've quieted my soul. I've calmed my soul. There's a way now he's communicating with God in a deeper way. It's a real relationship that he has now. He can talk, right? As kids now are starting to talk. And sailors start to converse with us in full sentences. And we're able to have conversation and dialogue as father and daughter. God now is able to do so in a real relationship with the weaned child. I want us to think about that in our context with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. For those of you who, who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son, you had this restoration of the relationship with God, right? How is that relationship with Him? You know, just a, a question of how far along are you in that relationship with God? You know, how old are you? You're like, what do you mean? Oh, how old am I? You know, I'm 44, you know. I'm, no, I'm not asking your, your physical age. I'm talking about your spiritual age. In your relationship with God, in, in, in your spiritual journey with Him, are we still a baby? Just crying out, milk, give me milk, you know. I need this, God, give me that. Are we, have we grown up a little bit like a toddler, taking baby steps? Yes, but we're starting to, you know, maybe see God in a different way, starting to speak having deeper conversations in prayer? Right? Have we grown up to be teenagers? Maybe we'll have some rebellious years, yes, but you know, now we have more of a maturity of understanding of the world around us and how God is really truly sovereign over this world that we are you know, trying to still control. Are we growing now in college? Maturing. Laying more of a foundation, deeper foundation of faith. A trust, a dependency to finally mature into this grown adult, right? That has an adult you know, just a beautiful relationship with God, you know. Where are you in that state of relationship? You know, maybe you've been a Christian for decades, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, some of us. Like, ah, 
<laughs> what do you mean a baby? <laughs> Babies, you know, cry. You know, they need their milk. I'm not a baby. Well, I tell Luke all the time, right? He's five years old. You know, Luke, why are you crying about silly things? You're not a baby. Right? I say that, you know, you know, maybe we should say that about ourselves. You know, how often do we cry for milk, right? I wonder. How often do I just cry out, make this noise, and give me this, give me that, and, you know. Turn to other things to find that satisfaction, to, to, to meet the things that, that we're, we're, we're looking for and desiring that. We're saying, yeah, give me, I want that. So, I, you know, forget you, God. I'm going to just take it on my own, right? I'm going to get it myself, you know. And there's another definition I found of, of weaning that I really fits in well here. I think that's what the Bible's talking about. To wean is to withdraw. To withdraw from some object or some habit or some form of enjoyment or the like. To withdraw from something that we've been basically depending on. You know, for example, you know, just the need to lose weight has, has weaned us from eating just, you know, chocolate cake at night. You know what I mean? Whatever that is, that goal, desire, it's weaned us to withdraw ourselves for a good purpose. And in this season, as I shared with this unusual time that we're in and maybe the abundance of time that we have been given at home, perhaps God is also asking us, what are some things we need to wean from in our life, in our, in our spiritual growth and maturity, to wean, you know, last week to redeem the time. You know, what are we presently involved in or investing into that is really not helping, right? You know, with, with this growth process of this relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's not adding, you know, to, to the knowledge and, and just your maturity. And, and if you want to even think about, you know, what is age or what school uh, that you're a part in, right? You know, am I still in kindergarten or pre-K? Or am I going into elementary school or, or junior high or senior high in my, in my spiritual journey, right? What are some things that are, that's not contributing to, to my maturity, to my growth, right? That's just taking away precious time, getting in the way. Oftentimes, we're just kind of living with these, you know, things, you know, that, that we think that, you know, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, just being satisfied and, and I'm finding, you know, just some kind of, a, you know, purpose in. But it's taking away from literally just growing up, right? Growing up. To be weaned away from just this ultimate just crying out dependency on the things of this world. You know, we have to know what those things are. And then we have to do something about it. You know, this week, you know, we're just trying to be more, like, practical about how can we truly redeem the time, right? How can I invest the meaning that Jesus has given me to, to return a tenfold for God's kingdom and his glory? we got to see what are the things that are getting in the way, what are the things that are filling up our days that is not aiding or contributing one ounce to our love relationship with God to fulfill that dream that one day I may experience Christ, that I love Him more than anything in this world? What are those things that are preventing us from doing that? You know, I'm trying to think about you know, all the things in my life. You know? And we have to target those things. You have to know it first. And this, this, it's already made. Can you believe it? And, and, and June's around the corner. Summer's right around the corner. And you know what that means in New York City? Oh, boy, mosquitoes are going to come back, right? Those pesky, noisy, just 
oh, just so bothersome. Mosquitoes are going to come back. I wonder, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen if we still have this lockdown in the summer times, if the swimming pools and, and all these, you know, parks are closed. What's going to happen, you know? But, you know, there, you know, around my house, there's so many mosquitoes. We have that lake in front, and um, a lot of mosquitoes are, you know, just hovering. We can't even barely be outside. Last summer, there was a, a few weeks where inside the house, our home, it was just an abundance of mosquitoes just appearing out of nowhere. And, and I was thinking, where are they coming from? And Kathy's dad were simply like, oh, we're just, you know, we're leaving the backyard door open. And they're just kind of flying in through the house. I was like, there's no way that we can have this many mosquitoes inside the house just, just by leaving the door open. And we made sure to close that screen door. But where are they coming from? It's been, it was literally so painful. That these mosquitoes just buzz by your ear. They, they're biting you. They're, they're, they're you know, just, just, you know, really distracting you. And, and it's leaving these welts all over your body. And I was like, I got to go find out what's going on here. So I was on a mission. I got to find out the source. There's got to be a source here of where all this noise and this, this pesty, just crazy, uh, you know, infiltration is coming from. And I walked around the house and I was scoping it out. I put my detective hat on and I finally went up to the, my, my mother-in-law's, you know, balcony out there overlooking their bedroom. And, and there I found the flower pots where all the, the plants are growing. And a couple of the pots, they just have the water that my dad uh, fills in. And, and, and a lot of times it's just kind of sitting there, there's stagnant water. And I looked into one of the plots, and I got a picture here. There's a picture here. I found this pot, and I looked inside. And I don't know if you can see there's these tiny little things swing around inside the water, okay? I looked, I, I couldn't believe it, and I looked at it. They're mosquito little larvae swimming inside this pot. And there's little tiny little hatchlings that are swimming around, and I see mosquitoes about to be birthed, and, and there it is. All the mosquitoes that were in the house, all the buzzing, the distraction, the noise that was just driving us crazy, right there from this one source. I, I had to show my dad. I was like, look at this. You know, you got to, you know, you know, clean out the water. You know, I got to take that on. I should do that too, you know. And I, I went, got that pot. It was just gross. And I went and just dumped it out and put fresh water in there, cleaned out, killed all those eggs and the mosquitoes. And, man, and, and that did it, right? That did it. In a sense, it, it calmed and quieted my soul, right? That was at such angst, you know. To have peace now, finally, back in the household. To have that peace, what you got to do? You got to go to the source. You got to take out whatever that is that's causing the noise, the, the, the buzz. You got to get rid of that. Well, what is the noise in your life right now? What's the noise that's just really getting in the way? From you hearing, you know, just the lovely voice of, of God speaking. You know? what, what's the noise, the buzz that's constantly we're being distracted by? Well, just your phones, right? <laughs> this is probably the biggest source, right? I, I talk about this, and I'm on this nonstop as well. We're just constantly on, just going through the feeds, right? Instagram stories, Facebook now, you know, we're much more involved with that with QPEM and just kind of looking through the feeds and the comments and just, just going through it, right? And then the news comes up. We read news, and then these stories, they're interesting, and then, and then politics and social feeds, and then we go into the finance, checking out how the market's doing. And then we see when the sport's coming back, and then we go into the YouTube, and we get caught up in the YouTube videos, and, and then now we got the switch, and we're playing video games until 4 in the morning. I mean, what is it? What's the noise in your life? That's the first step. Find out what that is. Go to that source. Do something about it. 
to wean ourselves, right? Away from the things that we're, we're depending on, that we're going to. To wean really, literally to withdraw from the things that we used to depend on before this relationship with God. Our old habits, the object of our idols, temptations, or if you want to say, whatever it is that causes us to try to be independent from God, that I don't need you, I can do it on my own, God. Whatever is causing us to disobey Him, that's what we're to wean ourselves from, church. Go to it and just withdraw from it, church. Take yourself now away from that kind of dependency that you've had on that. That's what is in essence David's done here. In his life, through his spiritual journey, David's weaned himself. He says in verse 1, he's talking about that pride, right? Things that have caused him to disobey God. To leave the clamor of proud ambition. And to rest in the Lord. In verse 2, in stillness. To quiet his soul. That's a mark of maturity. To wean from the things of this world. John Orberg here again writes in his book, stillness is always a prerequisite for receptivity. And what, what he's saying that is, you know, we can't receive, you know, God's voice and his love and this relationship when we're, we're filled with just static and noise, right? Think about it. How can we hear God's voice and how can we truly glean and build this relationship with God when we just constantly be filled with noise and distraction, the buds all around our ears. You can't do it. We first need to be still, quiet and calm our soul. And once we're calm, once that pot of mosquito larvae is, is, is gone, then I can listen. Then I can hear his voice. It, it, it can't be reversed. You can't try to listen and then I'll try to, you know, get rid of all this stuff. No, it's got to be stillness first and then we listen and hear his voice the psalmist writes right we know the other psalm it says be still and know that i am god be still first and then know that i am god he says still our hearts to enter in this place where you still your souls Quiet our hearts, our souls, our, our souls ready to listen, church. Yeah. To withdraw from those things and to quiet our souls, to be in that quiet place. To hear and to meditate on his word. And to have a conversation, a communion with God. You know, we call it quiet time or devotion, whatever you want to call it. To have that intentional stillness, especially in this season today. I'm telling you, it's more important than ever, Okay. Because we're home now, right? We're, we're home all day. And yeah, we're with our loved ones and we're live with our families, our kids, our spouses. And, and you know, we, we, we love it and it's great. But I'm telling you, it's not healthy, I don't think, to be with our loved ones all day, right? I don't think it's healthy, honestly. You know, I'm with, you know, uh, my kids and, and Kathy and I, we have obviously our responsibility to work stuff and I have to do church stuff and I'm in my bedroom. We're trying to be on our computers. And then we get distracted nonstop all day. And, you know, Caleb and Luke, they come in. They're like, Dad, you know, hey, you know, I'm like, boys, can you see I'm busy? Go, go, you got to leave. You can't be here. And I just, you know, just kind of yell at them. And then, you know, a minute later, a sailor walks in. Daddy, daddy. I'm like, oh, sailor, hi. Ah, come here. Let me hug you. How are you? I love you. you know, it's just this double standard that I have, you know, with my kids. I feel sorry. Sorry, Caleb and Luke. I know you're watching this too. Daddy will try to be more nice. But, you know, I, you know, this season we're driving, you know, nuts. We're starting to yell more, I think, to each other, right? We're getting more frustrated with each other at home. 
no, no kidding that we see more and more cases, you know, marriages. There's real serious strife taking place. Can't you see, you know, how important it is? When we neglect this uh, real intentional time to quiet our souls, to wean from the things of this world, and to be still with our Heavenly Father, I'm telling you, it's going to come out uh, in the way we are with one another, to our families, to our spouses, how we talk to our parents, how we talk to our children, our friends, our relationships. Right? And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, you know, that book that we, we went through at QPEM, Life Together, and he says... Uh, in that excerpt, he's, he warns us that when we don't take time to be alone in God's presence, right? when we don't take that intentional time to be still with God every day, we may actually become more dangerous and harmful to others in our lives. You know? How so? Well, we may demand people that they meet our needs for love, our needs for approval and self-worth. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a way that's going to be too heavy to bear for anyone. You can't get that from your wife. You can't get that from your parents or your, your, your best friend even. No, it's, it's not fair to expect that, to, to demand that from one another. You know, we may feed off of others in inappropriate ways. We're going to cause damage that way. Yeah, we may need people, but they can never fully fill us, satisfy us with a perfect love that can only be given from God above. And that's why we need to be intentional even now, church, I implore you in how busy you are. I know especially you guys are busy. More responsibilities, like we said. We got to be intentional. Practice silence and stillness with God. Quiet your soul, church. It's going to impact everything, especially those that we care about. Right? As a weaned child, we got to learn how to do so, but it's not just on our own, I'm telling you. Jesus is here to help us through. We close out with verse 3. Verse 3, David writes, he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Hope in the Lord. You know, he's our hope. He's going to help us through. You know, we think about David, you know, the King David, the man after God's own heart, this great, amazing man, this, this humble man with a childlike faith. You know, what makes him so great? What is it, his own wisdom, his own competence, his own intelligence? No. David tells us what it is. It's because he's been weaned in his soul from his own selfish ambitions and pride, from the things and noise that tempts, that tempts us, that distracts us, that takes away, us away from this love relationship. Now he's in a place that his soul is like a weaned child, it says. It's like a freedom, a freedom from the things in verse 1, from all that self-seeking and, and the bondage of the, the fear and worry that we live in. It's a hope that we have in God and his son, Jesus Christ. There's a promise in the greatness of his son that we, as believers, we, we put our faith in and dependency that through the line of David, we have now the Savior King, the perfect King, who gives us hope, a freedom from ourself, from our sin. And it's Jesus, through His Spirit, that's going to lead us to silence and stillness and quiet as He helps us to calm and quiet our souls. <laughs> yes, it's hard. It's, I'm not saying it's easy. Our mind wanders. There's so many distractions, so much noise. Exodus 14:14 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. 
The Lord will fight for you this week, church, and you have only to be silent. How beautiful is that? How much pressure does that take off of our shoulders? It's not us about what, oh, what can I do? Can I really do this? No, the Lord will do it through you, church. Allow him to do so. All you got to do is just be still, silent. Can you do that? Can we do that this week? Can we commit to just a few minutes a day? Start with five minutes, right? Remember John Wesley? Five-minute increments he did every day. Start with five minutes, and then maybe it'll be 10 minutes. Maybe it'll be 15. Maybe it'll be 30 minutes. Maybe it'll be an hour for some of us. And this beautiful silence and stillness before the Lord to know in that stillness that, God, you are here. You are God. And, and now I'm starting to wean myself away from the things that I've depended on. And now I'm going to start to depend on you, God. Right? How beautiful is that? And I close with this. Uh, one quote, uh, this theologian, he wrote, like toddlers who soon run out of their own limited resources, eventually, right? All toddlers do. And they gladly submit to being carried by their parents. We too, church, as sons and daughters, we can find God to be one on whom we can depend on. To be one to, who will bring us to our destined goal. You know that dream we're talking about? And the one who has already in his son Jesus fully given us rest for our souls. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. This week now, as we continue to learn how to redeem our time for his glory, may we come to that place to find God depending on him as a weaned child now in maturity to converse and grow in maturity, to be this fulfilled, mature disciple of Christ who is growing up, that we would fulfill that dream even more so sooner than later, that I have tasted what it is to love you, Jesus, more than anything in this world, that that would be my dream for my kids and their life as well. That will we quiet our souls, calm our souls, like a weaned child with its mother on this Mother's Day. That in doing so, we would find hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray that, church. Let's go to God in prayer. Thanks for listening to the QPEM podcast. For more information on our church, please visit our website at www.qpem.org. That's Q-P-E-M dot one.